I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into a Denver Stiff show on this Friday. Wanted to give a quick introduction. Gordon's audio for the first part of this sounds like it's coming out of a tube. So... Don't be alarmed when you hear it. We talk about Drew Holiday. We talk about the draft. We talk about the NBA restart. Lots of Drew Holiday discussion if you're a Nuggets fan that's interested in what the Nuggets are going to do with that. And we have strong opinions on it. So keep that in mind. And we hope you guys enjoy the show. Denver Stiff Show. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as we are recording pretty late this evening. Not super late, but pretty late, and just late enough that we actually got some news that we're going to talk about in the second half of this podcast regarding the NBA restart. But we're going to talk about Drew Holiday first, and I wanted to bring on senior NBA writer, or senior Denver Stiffs writer and resident Drew Holiday Stan. Gordon Gross onto the program in order to talk about Drew. Gordon, how are you doing, man? Good. I mean, when you asked me if I wanted to come on the pod, I was like, do I want to come on the pod? And then, <laughs> you know, you decided that it was going to be about Drew Holiday. And I'm like, well, obviously, I now have to be on the pod. It's now a requirement. Like, we, we know we know what you're good for. Like, we know, we know what the what the NBA masses want to hear when, when you're on the pod. Cause you, you have, exactly. a, you have an affinity for one of the best point guards in the NBA, or he's maybe not a point guard, but he's a shooting guard kind of combo guard type. And one of my favorite combo guards in the NBA. Let's go with that. Yeah. And, and he, he's long been an interesting fit. We have had debates before about whether Jamal Murray or Drew holiday fits better on the nuggets long-term. And yep. now maybe we don't even have to choose. Maybe, maybe we can, uh, maybe we could try to see if they work together. Because I've long thought that that would be a great idea because I think that they would fit great, right? Well, the nice thing about Drew Holiday is that he doesn't wind up having um, any defensive uh, liabilities. He can uh, go ahead and defend point guards. He's very switchable, which makes the the Nuggets offense work better because, uh, you know, for offense and defense, he can handle both roles. You know, of shooting guard or uh, point guard, um, he can run the bench if you need him to. There's really, there's no real issue um, at all with uh, Drew Holiday and Jamal Murray just trading off at combo guard. Um, yeah. Drew is more of a, is, it has been in more of a true point guard role for a lot of his career. Um, but I mean, both guys can do both things, and that's the luxury of having a Jokic offense. One of the things that with Jokic offense, with the playoffs, with the Nuggets having learned a lot about themselves over the last couple of years. One of the things that I've started to really value in players that the Nuggets are adding around Jokic and Murray and guys like that is the idea of utility and versatility. 
Uh, Just being able to do a bunch of different things, being able to fill a lot of different hats, because there are so many different playoff opponents out there that the Nuggets are going to have to face if they ever want to win a championship. And you have to have a great guard defender, but you also have to have a great shooter and you have to have a great yeah, like whatever whatever is next to Jamal Murray has to be able to do a lot of different things as well. It's one of the reasons why Monte Morris has worked well with him in stretches, why Gary Harris has worked well with him in stretches, why Will Barton has worked well in stretches. I think that if you add Drew Holiday, you get elements of all of that in one player. Well, and that's, that's really what you're looking for, is you are looking for a player who can manage to... Um, defend when called upon, run the offense when called upon, run a pick and roll just like Murray, so you have to change your offense. Um, you know, you need a guy who can um, be a leader, who can be a scorer, or not need to score. You know, he got, Drew Holiday can score 8 points or 28 points, and he doesn't care which one of those it is as long as they win. And that's kind of what Denver needs, because you never know. On one day, you might need him to score 28 points. The next time you might need him not to shoot because MPJ is going off for 40. You know, or um, Murray's having one of his volcano games. Um, and uh, he would uh, be able to contribute in that fashion. He'd be a good leader because uh, they're about to lose the locker room leadership of um, Paul Millsap. It's good to have another guy who's been in the league a long time, who knows what he wants, who's hungry to get a title. You know, like these are all good things. He fits all, he checks all the boxes for. For Denver, he's not necessarily a, a, a dead-eyed outside shooter, but he does everything well. Like, there's not a lot that Drew Holiday is terrible at. You know, like, oh man, that guy can't handle switches. No, he's great. You yeah, know? it's 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 one of the reasons why I I value Jeremy Grant is that there there's only one thing that he's really bad at, and that's rebounding. And right. I think that there's there are a lot of ways that Denver can cover up those weaknesses, and because of that, you can really highlight a guy's strengths in in that situation. But Drew's a different beast. He's not Jeremy Grant. Like, he's a, a legit talent, and he's been on the border of all-star consideration for a long time, and having been in the Western Conference for the majority of his career has hurt. It, it makes sense that the last all-star appearance he had, the only star, all-star appearance he had, was the last year he was on an Eastern Conference team. Right. And there's a reason why a lot of teams are interested in him. So I hope that people don't get it twisted when they're talking about Drew Holiday. He's not just a Gary Harris upgrade. He's not just a Will Barton upgrade. He's not just a Monte Morris upgrade. He does all of those things. And being able to do all of those things at the same time, it helps in a series against Utah where you don't just put in your defensive specialist. He can also run the offense. He can also uh, shoot off ball a little bit better than, than what Gary's done lately. Uh, he can also be a perimeter playmaker and an isolation scorer and every every single one of those things. And, and when you have a guy like that who can then surround Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Nikola Jokic, that's that's pretty in- interesting to me. Well, and his if you look at his stats, they're not going to jump off the page. I mean, if you like counting stats, he's been fine the last couple of years. But if you're looking at like his defensive box plus minus or whatever, you're like, he can't be a great defender. You know, uh, he is. <laughs> yeah. They just use him for everything. They use him to cover up a multitude of sins. Um, the one, the one um, knock on, on Drew would be maybe that he isn't a... Um, he doesn't push the offense. He doesn't just decide, I'm going to take it and make it all me. It's all going to be about me, me, me. He fades too far into the background sometimes. 
which is the complaint about Gary Harris, where Gary will have a good quarter and then you won't see him again the rest of the game and you don't know where he went. Sure. Um, but on this team, that's okay. That means when he's feeling it, he can do it, and when he's not, he can set other people up because he is also the point guard. In all honesty, like I think the Nuggets would prefer if he was a fourth option. Like they would, they Correct. would, they would actively like for Michael Porter Jr. to score twenty plus next year. Like that's right. something that they would really enjoy. So uh, it, let me just let me just reframe the conversation a little bit. The the reason why we're talking about this, folks, is that Sham Sharania reported earlier on Wednesday that uh, the Pelicans were now listening to trade calls on Drew Holiday. And yep. it's unsurprising that this is happening because he doesn't really fit the timeline of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Those guys are super young. Drew Holiday's 30, and he could potentially walk away from his contract with them as soon as next year because he has a player option for the 2021 free agency. There's a lot of money out there, and there's a reason that Drew Holiday wants to go win, and he may not feel like he can win in New Orleans right now. Well, and they're also setting up Lonzo to take over. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know how they feel about Lonzo. It, it seems like the, uh, like the front office and the fans may have a little bit of a disconnect on how they view him. Like the fans are pretty upset, and and understandably so based off of his bubble performance. But I think you're right. I think they they want to surround Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson with young talent. Right, and and so you're you're there's no way to know if Lonzo's your guy. If Drew Holiday is still there coming up for him. So you need to know before you go uh, paying Lonzo a bunch of money, which they're about to have to do. Yep. Um, you're going to want to know if he's your guy um, for this team. So he has to play all those minutes. So they need a backup point guard, but they need Lonzo to be the starting point guard and to manage the team and make sure he can do it. Because if he can't do it, they got to do something else. But either way, Drew Holiday is probably not going to be that guy. Because he'll be, you know, 33, 34 by the time that Zion's out here trying to compete. Or they need to go get another third star. And, yes. and we'll see whether we'll see whether that's something that they end up doing. Uh, the Nuggets aren't going to be able to offer that third star to them unless they view Bull Bull as that kind of guy. And, and maybe he is that kind of guy. We haven't we've barely seen him. But but I I think that. What they what they ideally would want to do is flip Drew Holiday and a bunch of assets that they've, that they've accumulated for a Bradley Beal or a uh, another star that ends up coming out on the market. And I I'm sure they would it. like to do that. I'm yeah. sure they would love to do that. But like in in a star deal, Drew Holiday and his expiring contract doesn't really present a ton of value. Uh, yeah, you're you're giving away a guy who. You know, when you're trading him, does somebody want one potential year of Drew Holiday for the package they're giving you? Yeah, um, and if he's going to Washington, which hasn't won anything ever, um, and certainly not, you know, with the catastrophe that they've had the last few years, you know, with John Wall's injuries, and you can't necessarily bring in um, uh, him to replace somebody like Beal because they don't play the same way. Yeah, it's it's going to be different, and and given given John Wall's status, like I I still think that the Wizards should blow it up, but like they're going to go into this next season, I think, with the uh, with the idea of, of playing those guys together and seeing it through, which means that Drew Holiday isn't really 
viable for them at that point. So like, right? It's, I would it expect just, to trade Drew this offseason. Absolutely, I don't think yeah, they're waiting like, for the deadline. He's Drew's. Drew's like the the bidding war is Drew's time is up. And yeah, and Vince Goodwill of, of Yahoo Sports reported back uh, about a month ago or so that. Uh, Drew had a lot of suitors. There were eight to ten teams, and the Nuggets were reportedly at the front of the line in terms of yep. the the teams that wanted him. And I believe that rumor. I think we've we've kind of heard behind the scenes that that's something that the Nuggets are interested in doing. And I get it. Like I, I totally get it that if you can add Drew Holiday to a rotation or to a starting lineup that includes Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., and Jeremy Grant then I think you are a championship contender full stop. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't think that that, that that is in any way outrageous. Um, because when you look at how far Denver went without Will Barton, you know, with Gary Harris being limited, um, you know, and missing the first few games with uh, Michael Porter Jr. being just barely into his NBA career, you know, uh, they they went far enough that you could look at it and say, how how big is the difference between them and the Lakers, and can they get across that that barrier? You know, are they built crooked for it? Maybe, maybe not. You know, but Drew Holiday certainly gives them, you know, another uh, guard who can defend and score, which helps them against anyone they're going to come up against in the in the Western Conference. There's so many teams out there. You know, Den- uh, Denver is going to have to face up with Dallas, who's on the, you know, the come up. They're going to have, you know, in theory, a, uh, you know, rejuvenated um, Trailblazer squad. You've got Utah trying to run it back at some point and figure out what they've got with Gobert and Mitchell. You know, uh, the Nuggets were hanging on by their fingernails these whole playoffs. You're looking to solidify that position as maybe the number two team in the West waiting to see if you can get another crack at the Lakers. I think people have fixated a bit on the Lakers as the team that the Nuggets have to get through guaranteed no matter what. Like, they have to position themselves for any number of opponents that could emerge yep. in, in the Western Conference playoffs. And that's being prepared, being prepared for, for one team rather than all teams is sort of a problem. You know, Houston tried to get cute this year, and then uh, they ran into the Lakers, and this, that didn't work because they had no size. Well, that's the Houston Rockets model versus Golden State. Like they yep. tried to they tried to build a team for the Golden State Warriors and nearly pulled it off, but yep. it left them vulnerable against other teams, against other franchises that had some size, that had had the ability to really punish their small ball and their switching. And right. when you're in that situation, if you're the Nuggets, then you have to find a way to add versatile pieces who fit against a variety of opponents and can, can fill a number series. of and can yep. fill a number of different hats. And that's where I look at a guy like Drew as a guy who can do that. He can be the lead guard defender against a team. He can guard up a position against a Paul George better than a Gary Harris can. Uh he Which can is funny because like, they're about the same height. It's just that it uh, Drew is so much longer than Gary. He's longer, a bit stronger, uh, yes. a little bit better instincts. And like I, there, there's just some things that Drew can do that Gary just can't. And right. it's not a knock on Gary, but if you're, if you're getting Gary's defense, but also Will Barton's offense plus uh, in the same player, then I, I don't understand the prognostication around uh not trading for Drew Hall. Like like people people have 
made, I've turned this into he's Gary Harris plus uh, instead of really treating him as a borderline all-star, which is what he is. Right. Well, and again, but if you if you look at his, you know, advanced stats, you're not like, oh, I'm blown away by by Drew Holiday. But Drew Holiday is one of those guys who, as a fit on this team, would be terrific. Yeah. Just terrific, captaining a defense, you know, taking care of um of the ball, making sure that you have that other ball handler, um, who isn't too small. Like that's the the problem that that Denver ran into in these playoffs was that Gary was able to um, handle Donovan Mitchell, you know, way better than they were doing before. Um, but then in some of the other series, they didn't really have a role for Gary. They yeah. didn't play those kind of teams. You know, like you said, he couldn't handle necessarily Paul George. That's not his, that's not his bag. Um, and so you have, you know, Monte Morris out there as your, you know, off guard or extra ball handling guard to make sure that, um, you you had some um, extra ball handling on the floor with um, Jamal Murray, but the problem with that ran they ran into in the Clippers series, you know, where those guys are just big. They're just big, and and Monte is not a big dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so the, the the Nuggets have really good pieces, um, but the problem is is you can't deploy them all at the same time. And so you're always trying to figure out who do we slot in around our Murray-Jokic combo because we know that works all the time. That will always work. That is just fine. Those guys are good together. Yeah, um, here's the but, thing, though. Like, like Denver has been relying on the Murray-Harris-Barton-Millsap-Jokic lineup for three years yep. until it wasn't working, until, until yep. they, they ran into teams where – that lineup in particular had some problems. And so they haven't had a lot of other counters beyond those, beyond that unit. And so they added Jeremy Grant and that was good. That helped them get through a couple series. And uh, now they have Michael Porter Jr. who may push them over the top anyway, but against Golden State, against Houston, against Utah, against Portland, against Dallas, I feel a lot more comfortable about Denver's chances advancing in the postseason if they have Drew Holiday on this roster. Well, and it gives you redundancy in case Murray turns an ankle. Sure. If Murray turns an ankle, you still have a lead ball handler. You aren't trying to run Will Barton out there at the point. You know, um, because you have to change your whole offense. Because the things that you can do with Jamal Murray and um, Nikola Jokic, you cannot do with Monte Morris and Nikola Jokic or Will Barton and Nikola Jokic. It doesn't work the same way. Correct. Um, you you can't run that one five pick and roll all the time. You can't you can't rely on on Murray to be able to you know drive and hang or pass the ball or you you there are things that that are very specific to those two that if you add in somebody like Drew Holiday you get not only that redundancy with with um, Murray but you also wind up with the plus defense that you obviously need to be able to make it work with. Murray and MPJ and Jokic. That gives you, you know, um, it gives you Drew and it gives you Jeremy Grant on the wings to just help contain penetration, which is all you're looking to do at Denver. You just want to make it harder for them. They can't use their first step to blow by you, you know, and put Jokic in a bad situation because the one thing that the Nuggets found out in these playoffs is Jokic cannot be getting fouls. Yep. He cannot be getting fouls trying to stop un- uncontested drives. That's something that cannot happen. 
I'm with you. I think that lineup uh, that you just described, throwing in Porter, Jokic, Murray, Grant, and Drew, like it, it's just it's the best lineup in the NBA. And, and that, to me, it does a lot of different things, helps Denver in so many different situations that they could build around that. But you have to get to that if you're if you're looking to be a, a legitimate championship contender. So Right. And then the, the thing that you're wanting to do with, with Drew, the downside of Drew, is that he ages like Paul Millsap. Like, that's your downside, is that for some reason, age catches up with him all at once and hits him with a baseball bat. Yeah, and you may have to guard against that. And I think if you're Denver, you, you hope that he has two really, really good years left and then maybe a third, like, Paul Millsap veteran year, as as in, like, he's he's just solid. He may not have his fastball, but, like, he's still smart enough to really be a positive player. Uh, and then, so you've got three great years, pretty much. And yeah. if you're if you're Denver, like that's that two to three year. That's window. all you're trying to get right now, man. Yeah, like like I I don't understand why we're there's no need to build for four to five years down the road when you have Murray and Jokic locked into contracts. And Murray you and Jokic that, are ready now. They're under yeah. contract now. You don't know what happens four years from now. I think Porter's like, ready now too, man. Yeah, put them out there. Give them the best shot they can get right now. The idea that you have to build for the perfect roster, sure, what happens, you know, when you pull a Nene Achilles that year? Ugh. Don't you know? Even, don't even put that into the ether, but I, I'm, I'm with you. Saying. Like I'm, I'm with you. It just it makes complete sense. So let's let's talk about two things then. Uh, let's talk about Denver's package that they can throw at New Orleans to see if it sticks, and let's talk about other teams that, that might be interested. Uh, let's start with other teams real quick. I, I have... Brooklyn, Golden State, and uh, who, who's another team that that really is curious about him? Maybe Indiana as another team. Well, actually, no, because I, I still don't get it with Indiana. Like, like they could, they, they could they potentially can't swap Oladipo for him. That's not going to work. Oladipo would have to be gone in a separate trade. Despite the fact that it would be really cool to add somebody like, like it would it'd be good to add somebody like Drew to Malcolm Brogdon and T.J. Warren and and guys like sure. that. But like. I think that would have to be a separate trade. So, but let's say let's say they tried to add him and and said that Oladipo would be gone. They're sending out Miles Turner, and let's say picks, uh, right? Not like the, the matching salary and picks. Um, Dallas, that, Dallas, I think would be interested. I don't, I don't think that that gets it done. You know, for um, the Pacers, honestly. I mean, yeah. I. I, I yeah. You're running into trouble trying to play Miles Turner and and Zion together, in my opinion. Yeah, some people think Miles Turner is one of the better fits with him because he's more of like a stretch five type who protects the rim and defends fives and like would would keep Zion free from having to deal with some of those assignments. You feel differently? I I'm not sure that that works. I don't think we've. I mean, it's not fair to Miles. I think he's a good player. Um, I don't think we've seen him in that sort of a role with that sort of partner. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of like you the idea of do him. It, and so you're, you know, he, he, are you getting more than you would get from like Tristan Thompson? I kind of like the idea of him being surrounded by uh, guard playmakers and and guys who are who are in the one five pick and roll pretty consistently, and him being involved in that. I think way. he would do better with somebody like Drew Holiday, honestly. Yeah, uh, or or Jamal Murray, frankly, like that. Would yeah, be, yeah, like good. Miles Turner in in that in a, in a situation where he was playing with one of, a guy like that, I think would be 
more advantageous for him. Um, yeah. But again, it, 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 but chain construction, that's the, that's the fun part of the NBA. Everybody has their own idea about it. You know, and we don't know until you try it. There are things where you're like, that's not going to work. You're going to put, you know, um, Mark Gasol next to uh, uh, Zach Randolph? That's not a good idea. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be now, but like, like, but they figured it out. And that's, well, that then it was. To... Yeah, that was the right plan yeah. then. Yeah, it's... Uh, Seems it seems like it would be it would be it would be at least interesting to see a a, a grinded out Grizzlies type team uh, in the modern NBA. Um, let's talk about Golden State because they seem like a team that that would want to make a trade like that. That would be interested. They they have the number two pick that they could throw at Wiggins or they could throw at Drew. And you could, they can take Wiggins, I guess. And but you'd have to they they would re, be required to take Andrew Wiggins if you're if you're New Orleans. Do you want to take Andrew Wiggins on? In in order to get the number two pick, um, who do you think drafted Andrew Wiggins? Uh oh, who was it? it was was it Con? I believe it was. Oh oh no no no! It was Griffin. Nope. It was Griffin. Yeah who? Yeah oh. yeah Griffin who now is the GM at, and he's now with New Orleans. He's the the Pobo there, and he he's uh like he he knew to move him off immediately so he could get somebody that that would fit there with Cleveland pretty pretty realistically. He so. knows everything there is to know about Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, and I think hey, he knows you're that not getting, he's not taking Andrew Wiggins back. I'm just gonna say that right now. I would be astonished if after getting the best up close look you could get at a young kid and seeing exactly who he is. That and then moving him so that you could get a, a better player. Um, I, I cannot see him taking Andrew Wiggins back and trying to make that work with him and Lonzo and Zion. Yeah, I just I just don't see it. Like like there's enough it. similarities between him and Brandon Ingram that that you yep. don't necessarily want to put those two guys together. I, don't, big, I, don't, I don't think. Yeah, you're you're gonna get the. There's going to be all sorts of things because Andrew Wiggins is like a shot a shot hog. He's a ball hog. That he he wants to take lots of shots. Now he didn't take a lot of shots in Golden State this year, but he only played like a dozen games. Sure. Like, yeah. You know, I I don't know that Andrew Wiggins is the guy that that you want to be trying to make work when you're just getting your budding star Brandon Ingram to show up. Um. What about You're Minnesota? not working for those kind of habits. What about Minnesota next to D'Angelo Russell and Cat? I think that would be very interesting. They have the number one pick, and I don't know if they would be willing to trade the number one pick for an expiring contract, but it's at least within the cards, and given that the number one pick doesn't necessarily... Like, there's not a guy there that that really makes a ton of sense. Like, maybe, maybe they decide, hey, we're going to give you the number one pick, and you can use that on... Lamelo Ball to pair up with Lonzo again, or Anthony Edwards, or James Wiseman, and and you can add one of those top picks next to right. Ingram and Zion. And and the thing is, having a number one pick does give you cachet. Like that's why um I think what Atlanta has like the number six. Yeah, um, they have six. I can see, I can see them looking for another for a guy like like Drew also. I just I'm not sure that they have anything else that really interests. Um, the Pelicans were looking not only for picks, but they're also looking for young, immediate, like help players. Like they want to build a roster. You know, yeah. Griffin's thing is is definitely roster and not some sort of um, Philadelphia style pick stash forever. 
But the thing that we were talking about on before the podcast was that because Drew has been around with the Pelicans for as long as he has, because he's been a good solid vet vet there for a lot of time, like there's there's been a lot of talk that he wants to have some say in the destination that he goes to next. And so if you're sending him to a place that has the number one pick, that's a bad team. And or if you're sending him to Atlanta, who hasn't been in the playoffs for a while and they have a long rebuild still to go, then maybe he doesn't want that himself. Maybe he just wants to be with a contender. And that's my my thing is uh, anybody who's outside of New Orleans doesn't know how special Drew Holiday is in New Orleans. Um, it would be like trading Chauncey Billups from the Pistons, yeah. which <laughs> was a big deal, oh, and yeah. they did it for Iverson, and the te- the fans hated him forever. Yeah, forever they were like, "What have you done?" And they're like, "We added Allen Iverson." They're like, "No, you traded Chauncey Billups. You don't understand." And that's the kind of, of team cachet that he has in New Orleans. He's on their Mount Rushmore of, of best slash most popular players. Um, New Orleans loves that guy. And so they will not do him dirty. They will not send him someplace he doesn't want to go. Um, and in the same way that the Nuggets have been doing that for years, one of the things in small markets is that if you get a comparable package from two teams, and one of them is a crappy team, one of them is a good team, as a small market, you better send that guy to the good team. So that leads me to the two teams that I think are not the most desperate, but but like the most willing, I think, to to kind of part with current assets in order to, or yeah, part with future assets in order to move forward with a, with a guy that helps win now. And that's Brooklyn and Denver. Yeah. And those are those are kind of the teams that are going to be in the in the ether for a while. Uh, starting with Brooklyn, the rumored package has been Karis Levert, Jared Allen, and a first round pick. Let, let me get your let me get your opinion on that one first. Like, what what do you think of that package as a return for Drew? I my only concern is I like I like Karis Levert, but I feel like people have for some reason overrated him, probably because he's in a New York market. Yep. Um. And, and his injury concerns are not slight. His injury concerns are severe. If you think Gary Harris has injury concerns? Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, like Karras played forty-five games last year. He played forty games the year before. He did play seventy-one games in his second year, but he played fifty-seven his rookie year. And the reason for all of those injury concerns was because of the multiple foot injuries that he had at Michigan. Right. Which kept which kept him out of two different drafts. Yeah, he he had to wait. Well, he was going to come out early, but he kept breaking his foot. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough situation, and like like, I I I tend to like, there's just a lot going on with him. Like he had a 48 percent true shooting in the playoffs this past year in the four games that he played, and given that the Brooklyn didn't exactly have a bunch of talent, but like his true shooting by year. Uh, has been was 55.6 in his rookie year, 52.5 second year, 50.9 his third year, 51.4 his fourth year. Uh, he's been a good playmaker, but not a great playmaker for others. Uh, relatively like average turnover rate. Like like I'm not sure where the value is. Like at least with a guy like Jamal Murray who was doing this all at 19, 20, and 21, we saw some signs that he could develop into a star. Uh, with with Karras, it's it's like okay, he's had individual game flashes, but the overall product has been subpar. Yeah, and I I don't know that 
he gives the Pelicans enough of what they're looking for. Um, and I'm not sure that... Um, I mean, you're trading for essentially worse um, Drew Holiday, who doesn't... Defend. He's not a great outside shooter. You know, I just... I'm not sure what it is that Levert's supposed to add to the team. Um, as any at any sort of like crucial role, uh, but again, it depends on how you feel about about you know Levert. Um, I I I really was thinking he would be a good role player coming out of college. He's proven that he can be that when healthy, but I don't. I'm not sure that that's really all that's going to happen. Now they do have they have you know other things they would have to add to that. You know, uh, does Jared Allen fit there? I would think that he would probably have to. Well, no, no, no. Like, like, does he fit with New Orleans? Uh, see, that's a really good question. They just drafted Jackson Hayes. Zion Williamson needs room, room to go to the basket. Like, Brandon Ingram probably needs some room to go to the basket, though. It, it would be nice to add a young center who you feel pretty good about defensively, but Jared Allen's not a world beater on that end. Right. Well, and he's he's going to be in the funny of his contract. You have to decide if you're going to extend him, like, now. Yeah, it's it's a tough call. Like, they're about to get expensive really quickly. You know, and you already have a bunch of guys who are about to do that, you know, on that Pelicans team. Then you have to find money for all sorts of guys, you know, including Lonzo. On the other side, you have the Nuggets, and they don't have a ton of great assets either once you take MPJ off the table. Let's be honest here. Like Correct. there, there's a bunch of fringe starter types. There's some quality starters that you can throw out there with, with Gary Harris and Will Barton, although Gary Harris has been down for the past couple of years. Uh, he's still younger than Karis LeVert. Uh, yep. Uh, that's kind of a big that, deal. But again, again, that's that whole senior versus sophomore thing. It's a, it's a big deal. And like, yep. even though, even though he's had injuries, he probably fits a little bit better with what they're trying to do. If you're going to get role players, you want guys who do one thing really well. Yeah. Like, honestly. Now, Gary's overpaid for that at the moment um, because of the injuries and he hasn't been able to show his offense. Um, but he's still got bounce back ability. And if you're if you're looking at Karis LeVert, again, not a guy who's a spring chicken, not a guy who you're expecting a lot more growth in his game, um, and not a guy who's a better injury risk. So you're talking about two injury-prone centerpieces as far as the veteran, quote-unquote, that you're including in the deal. If you're the Pelicans, would you rather have Jared Allen or Bol Bol? Probably Jared Allen. How close is it? That really depends on how you feel about Bol Bol. Like, honestly, he's such a unique player. He can't really play center for you. You know, despite the height, he's going to take him a minute, you know, if he ever does, uh, be a, to be a full-time center. Yeah, so um, if, I, if, I were the, if I were the Pelicans and, and I was thinking about how to deal with Bull Bull and what to make of that, I would start Jackson Hayes or start or keep another center around yes. and, and then just like have, have a guy who can soak up more of the, the brunt of that while they also kind of work him in as a 15 minute, 20 minute per game guy uh, playing next to Zion Williamson behind Zion Williamson uh, next to Jackson Hayes. And then like, like 
work it that way. With with Jared Allen, like it's it's you're either getting him or you're not. Like he's either going to be your starting center or you're not. So I I tend to think that if if you're a Pelicans team that is looking to maintain flexibility over the course of the next couple of years, then you want shorter term stuff with young pieces. Like you, you don't want to lock yourself into the wrong thing. Uh, and which which brings me to the Nuggets package. If if you're throwing them Gary Harris, Bull Bull, Kade Bates Diop, and a first round pick, it's kind of eh. That's probably average. I, I I don't know if that beats a a Brooklyn deal, but Denver can up that package, right? Right, and you're you're talking about, um, you know, Gary Harris has two years left. Um, so that's a two-year commitment. You have you can sign Bull Bull to whatever commitment you want, really. Yeah. You know, as far as risk, he's going to be on a rookie deal. You know, or a minimum deal for a the, for the a Monte minute. Morris special. Yeah, exactly. The three years, so you get the restricted free agency deal. Yep. Um, and then you have the Nuggets could throw in Monte Morris if they needed to, um, because he would probably be getting squeezed for minutes um, with PJ Dozier. Um, and bringing back Drew Holiday and uh, Jamal Murray, there's three point guards right there. Yeah. Um, and so the Nuggets probably aren't going to be able to pay him. So you're looking at whether or not you can um, get back value um, for a guy who has been great. But I don't, I don't really see how the Nuggets under the cap are going to have the money for him. That's in, that's the entire reason that PJ Dozier is going to be on another. Monte Morris special deal. Yeah, that's, there's a reason why they did it. They want to maintain flexibility. And yep. I think that if both sides want to come to an agreement, there is an agreement to be had there. And, like, I don't know if the Nuggets are going to be the team that's willing to part with their guys to. to the Nuggets would the have to part deal. with Bobo. And, in my opinion, to get Drew Holiday, they have to give up Bobo. Yeah, Nuggets um, fans have to kind of come to grips with that, I think. Right. And it's, it's not that I don't like Bobo, it's that. The Nuggets are looking at him like we have. He's going to be another two-year project to see if we can get minutes for him. You know, um, we already have a guy who's going to be playing in his position, which is basically Michael Porter Jr. He's going to be filling the backup to Michael Porter Jr. role. Yeah. So you're not looking at him ever getting real minutes for you before he hits free agency again, and you lose him. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I've, I've I've thought about this a lot, and I've written about it. I wrote I wrote about it for Monday, and it just doesn't seem like like there are ways that they can incorporate him into the start, not into the starting lineup, because like if if they're starting guys, like they're going to start Grant Porter, Jokic, and you hope that they start those guys for the next two to three years. Like yes, like, so if you have Bo Bo on a three year deal, where's he playing? He's going to be on the Malik Beasley like uh, role of. He'll get minutes if something happens to somebody. If nothing happens to anybody, he's not getting minutes. Yeah, it's too bad. It's it's too bad that Denver's so good. Yeah, well, yeah, and that's they took him, and it looks like he's he's going to be very interesting. Uh, I don't know that they can figure out how to play four unicorns at the same time. Is basically where I'm at. It's tough. Like I don't. I don't know. I don't know how you can make it work with MPJ and Ball Ball and Jokic, and you're playing such a specific kind of basketball that at some point you have to you have to just admit that maybe someone else is going to have to figure out how to play Ball Ball as their unicorn. And the problem is whether you can get value for him. 
um, without showing what everything is that he can do. Um, and just trusting that the glimpse that people got in the bubble is enough to intrigue people. And I think it will be. I think I think he has fans out there. And while people are scared here. of him... I'm a fan yeah. of Bobo. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just yeah. don't see how the Nuggets can make it work. Um, not in the time frame that we're talking about. Like you said, we're trying to compete for a, a title now. The Nuggets are looking at it like, next year, we want to be in the finals. Like, people are talking about Bull as the, the answer to Anthony Davis, and, and I just can't get there. Like, I can't get there yet. Like, he might be. Like, he, he might be if he exceeds his timeline by, like, the 95th percentile. Like, yes. that's, uh, that's yeah, a really he tough would, He would need to land spectacularly and be completely ready to go. And he might. Like, Bull Bull is an amazing talent. The question is, can you deploy him at a position where that works for you. You know, can you get him to play the three or the four and not have him be a defensive liability against on the wing? Like, uh, you know, he's a zone center trying to play, you know, wing pick and roll defense. I'm not, you know, you're, you're asking him to do a ton of things he's never had to do and to do them all really well and do them all really well right out of the gate. The skills are there. You see his ball skills. You see his shooting skills. You know, he you see the blocks. He, he's got such a very interesting package that I would really love to trade him east and yeah, get his ass out the west. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. Um, you know, but I don't... The package that you're looking for is Drew, and Drew's in the west, so you're stuck. You just got to yeah. make them realign it. You got to make them bring in Seattle and Vegas and then uh, move move New Orleans <laughs> to the east, and then it's okay. Let's do it. I'm, I'm good with it. Um Okay, good stuff here. Uh, Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some news that just broke about the NBA restart. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're back, Denver Stiff Show. Ryan Blackburn here. Uh, had a little bit of an audio hiccup in that first segment, but we're, we're going to get that all ironed out and squared away. No big deal. Uh, joined, of course, by Gordon Gross, uh, having a grand old time, talking about Drew Holiday for about 40 minutes. That was a lot of fun. Um, but now I never gonna... mind talking about Drew Holiday. Totally fine with me. <laughs> yeah, I hope uh, hope everybody else isn't uh, isn't worn down by the subject. But look, I've been talking about Drew for three years, so <laughs> y'all are just gonna have to put up with me. Um, if the Nuggets finally get him, great. If not, well, oh well. Well, stop talking about him if he gets traded somewhere else. Like, should be nah, they'll easy. trade him back to. He'll be a free agent <laughs> next year. It'll be fine. They can add him then. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, okay, so we have news that the NBA has just broken. Uh, 
basically while we were recording this, but just just before, really. Uh, Sham Sharania just reported that the NBA Players Association has voted to tentatively approve the NBA's proposal for the 2021 season starting on December 22nd and playing 72 games. The NBA is set to tip off on Christmas week, and so... That's basically that, man. We've got we've got 72 games starting Christmas week. Do you think this is a good idea? I think it's what had to happen. Um I the the NBA was not going to be able to um roll with a 60 game season. Um they're looking to keep their money. They've already lost a lot of gate. Um it looks like they're also negotiating to keep the salary cap artificially uh, in place where it was. Yep. Which means that owners are going to lose like pocket change out of their couch for this. And they're going to be mad about it. Um, so yeah, they want all the games they can get. They want those media deals to come through. They want to make sure that all of their sponsors are satisfied. Um, and so I'm, I'm sure that the players association got to look at the figures uh, normally when owners share figures with players, the player association tends to mock and laugh. We have heard zero mocking and laughing Yeah. Um, about them wanting to start in December. And so, yeah, I fully expect that, that the December 22nd date is a financial um, necessity and that the players are going to have to suck it up. At least the playoff ones, um, they're going to be back out there way quicker than they were hoping to be. There's been a lot of reaction like, oh, that's how much money we're going to lose if we start just a month later. Okay, yeah, yep. let's uh let's uh let's let's figure this out. And I think everybody kind of wanted to come to that agreement uh without losing just a whole bunch of money. Uh there is still going to be some escrow stuff that that the there's going to be money taken from the players because the there are no fans in arenas. There are yes. a limited number of games that they're playing now. It's not the full 82 game season. Uh, but because they reached the 72-game threshold, or because that's what we think they're going to reach, the players are going to recoup about, or the players and owners are going to be recouping between $500 million and $1.5 billion. Like, that's uh, that's an That's a large spread, but even so, there's a lot of money at stake. Yeah. yeah, like if you're talking on the low end of that, that's $250 million split between each of the, or like $250 million to the players, $250 million to the owners, like... I'm sure, right. they all appreciate that. Like, even if you're the if you're the owners and you're splitting two hundred fifty million amongst yourselves, that's still an extra eight million dollars that could be going towards paying an MLE guy or paying the tax or or saving money. Like, well, that's just yeah. Really well, where and we're at. you know, for the Nuggets especially, you want them to play as many games as possible, even though it sucks for your guys. If you want the the Cronkies to entertain pushing up against the, the cap. Yeah, you, you, you know, want without them, arena fans. You want them to have every possibility, every realistic reason to stay aggressive and to go Correct. after the right players and to not just salary dump people because you're not a because because it doesn't appear necessary or because they have to recoup some losses. Like you want the Nuggets and to to be firing on all cylinders heading into this thing because they have a real chance to win a title. So Exactly. Like, Trading for a guy like Drew Holiday, it would likely take be taking on some extra money in order to do that, and the Nuggets they they have to be okay with that. And I think this proposal goes a long way towards uh, making something like that more of a real or a possibility. Yeah, I it, I I don't want to say that the the billionaires needed it, but as far as motivation for spending money, apparently they do. 
So yeah, I'm I I am okay with them having that motivation. Now that said, this is the one year where the Nuggets vaunted depth would actually have been nice. So I'm hoping they can find some minimum wage players to come out and and help them out through this. Um, not having a G League team again, don't have you know you're you're still not able to necessarily run guys back and forth. You know, switch out um two way contracts. Trying to get guys and bodies on the team. Because what you're looking to do is not run down all the guys who just dragged you through the playoffs. Like Murray and Jokic and, you know, all those guys. You're looking to find some guys who have some fresh legs so that you can give guys a break. Because Jokic doesn't take any games off. And Murray plays hurt all the time. So you're going to have to find ways to force them to sit to try to keep them healthy enough and energetic enough for the playoffs because it's going to be a long season. For everybody who went deep in the playoffs, it's going to be a really long season this year. Now, it's not much longer than it would be if the if they'd actually played the Olympics because right. Murray was going to play on the Canadian team yep. and you were going to have Jokic playing on the, the Serbian national team. You know, a lot of these guys who were in the playoffs are the same guys who would have been on national teams if the Olympics had been held... This year in Japan, Doncic, so, Giannis, like like there's yeah. the, the NBA has to cater to some of these international guys now because like that's the face of their league going forward in a lot of cases. Yep, and now I don't know how this is going to affect the um, the Olympics next year, um, and if some of these guys are going to take some time off because they basically have just played an Olympic summer, they just did it for the for the NBA. Yeah. Um, but you still, you still want to give your guys some, um, some load management, I guess. And so I'm hoping that all these teams are going to be able to pull that off. What I don't want is to see a bunch of these guys get injured because they never got any rest this off season. Yeah. Woach also tweeted that the NBA and the players association are expected to discuss moving up the start of free agency as early as possible to accommodate a, a start of training camp on December 1st. They have to. Like, yeah. like it, there's just not a lot of time in all of this and it's on the court. It's off the court. It's building chemistry. Like, like there's, there's a lot of factors heading into this that it's going to be very condensed. And I wonder if, if that changes anything from the Nuggets perspective. Well, it is the one concern you have with bringing in free agents. You're looking at, you know, how fast can you adapt to our system, which is unlike any other system in the NBA, because our center is our point guard. So, how do you do deal with that, especially if you're going to bring in someone who is nominally a point guard? Like Drew Holiday, you would like way more of an adjustment period than you're going to get. And so they may wind up doing a lot of stuff where Drew is not a point guard with Jokic. He's only a point guard with the bench so that he can run that part like he normally would, and they'll slowly work him in as the 1-5 pick-and-roll guy with Jokic doing what the Nuggets do with their starting point guard throughout the course of the season. I mean, it you see how long it takes people to adjust to Jokic. Uh, Jeremy Grant didn't really start to blossom until late in the year. He was playing mostly with the bench to start the year. Yeah. I keep, you uh, know, I keep thinking about how much Jeremy Grant's role has changed ever since when he, he arrived in Denver and what yep. they're, they're using as like a, a post up and isolation scorer and like a, a Trey Lyles type. Yeah, uh, yep. And it just, it wasn't really working at the beginning of the year. Yeah, but that they, wasn't his bag. No. Yeah. And then they started using him as more of like a, a wing and off ball cutter, uh, more of a spot up shooter in the corners and, and on the wing. So like, like he has some game in order to do that. And then they, they had to unlock that, but it took a long time. And, 
because of that, like like his plus minus at the beginning of the year is horrid, but his plus minus for the rest of the year is pretty good. And so like when you're making large scale evaluations on some of these guys, like you have to take that into account. Um, Drew Holiday or any free agent that they bring in would be the same. So like it might well, not and work. Well, you know initially. how long it takes, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, we know it took Millsap. Millsap said it took him half the year to get used to playing with Jokic. Yeah. Um. Uh. Even when you had somebody like Jameer Nelson, it took Jameer Nelson about half a year to get used to playing with Jokic. <clears throat> it's just weird. It doesn't. It's not something you've ever done growing up. You didn't do it in in AAU. You haven't done it in the in college. You didn't do it in the NBA. Jokic and the way that he plays is very unique to twenty twenty type of basketball, and there's no other team that can replicate it. So any free agent is going to take his time to adjust to that. So the Nuggets have to be prepared for that, and you're not going to have a lot of training camp to get a lot of new plays in. My concern with that is how they're going to integrate new stuff for MPJ in about two and a half weeks before they start the season. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. I'm a, I'm thinking it's probably going to be a throughout the year process, and it might not yep. be. It's definitely not going to look the same at the beginning of the year as it does at the end of the year. Um, I hope not. Yeah, I, I I hope that he's a twenty point per game guy by the end of the year, and you just, just kind of yes. go with that. Um, but big question here before we head into some draft covered stuff: uh, How aggressive do you think Tim Connolly is going to be? Because we we've talked about the Drew Holiday thing, we've talked about other possible trades they can do. There's not a lot of big targets out there in terms of what they could add, but but there are some mid-level targets. There are some small targets. There are some things on the edges. Do you think they're more or less likely to go after guys outside the organization because the schedule is so condensed? Well, I think that they trust their guys. Um, and so that's sometimes a detriment because it, it leads to some stagnation. Almost to a fault, right? Yeah, they they trust their guys so much that they're not willing to jeopardize it for a chance at at what could be an improvement. They hold on to assets. This has been a I don't know if it's a complaint. It's certainly a um, something to be noticed that they hold on to their guys through their expiration date just because they're waiting. They want full value for them, or they want them to play for them all the time. You know, them trading Millie Beasley was actually kind of a shocker. Because they don't usually trade guys halfway through the year. That's not that's not their thing. They keep their guys through the contract. But they got the draft pick back for it. They got what they wanted. Um, but in this case, I don't know how ambitious they're going to be. Uh, I think it has to be the exact right guy. That's why I keep coming back to Drew Holiday. You're not going to change it just to change it. If we're playing 72 games and uh, we need a full roster and... Uh, you're going to want maybe to give Murray some days off and just give Barton the point guard role for the day or whatever, then you could do that. If you, if you keep Gary Harris and Will Barton, there's no reason you have to move those guys. You know, you're trying to win a championship. You know, they fit, you know, that, you know, if they're healthy, they can compete and you're going to roll the dice again and hope they stay healthy for the first time in three years. Like that would be what you'd be doing by bringing back Barton and, you know, bringing the gang back for one last run. Uh, I don't feel like they should do that. But I can see with the weirdness of this year and how little time you're going to have that making wholesale changes in the team and expecting to be able to compete at a high level and, and get that home court advantage. Because the hope is this year that while you're going to start without fans, that by summer there are COVID um, things in place that you've got enough uh, ability to do outside, you know, inside sports again. 
that yeah. that you can have a crowd, even if it's you know five or ten thousand instead of fifteen or twenty. That that's what you're hoping for. That you want to get bodies in the seats. That you want to be able to um, have a home court, and then home court advantage would mean something. The travel is going to mean something. You're not going to play this playoffs in a bubble. And so you want to nail that home court advantage. You can't be throwing games left and right just trying to adjust to new personnel. The Nuggets have always been conservative about that. They like who they've got. They don't necessarily like whoever they could get. They don't fantasize about how green the grass is on the other side of the fence. They like just how green their grass is here. Thank you very much. Yeah, I tend to think that that you're you're totally right. I I feel very confident, and we we cut the segment, but I want to I want to finish this part particular conversation on this that I feel very confident that Denver's starting lineup is going to feature Murray Porter Grant Jokic unless some shenanigans happen with Grant, uh, and I feel very confident that the shooting guard is either going to be Gary Harris, Will Barton, or Drew Holiday. Like they're e- they're either going right. to shoot the moon for Drew Holiday or they're going to continue to go with their guys. Like that's the that's that I don't I don't see another situation out there where they add a different piece like a an old I, I can't see them pulling a Bradley Beal or something. I, I can't see. Yeah, it. just it just I don't think it makes sense right now. Uh, you want to see what you have with Michael Porter Jr. and and you don't want to trade Michael Porter Jr. for anybody. Uh, right, he's your, he is your upgrade. That is your that is your free agent ad. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, I think I think. Conley is pro- like with the with that large move that that Drew Holiday move is probably the exception to the rule. Uh, I tend to think that he's probably more likely to add or re re-sign guys like Paul Millsap or Mason Plumley to be to fill in the backup center role or the backup big roles uh, rather than go out I, and get a new. I'm player. not I'm not sold on that. I I don't I don't think that you can bring back those bigs because they're unplayable. Like Millsap wasn't, but you. If you can't play Plumlee in the playoffs at all, then it it makes it really hard to envision him um, being brought back for anything like a price I would expect him to get. Yeah, um, the Nuggets aren't going to go into the you know near, near the cap or near the near the yeah near the cap, you know to just to re-add Mason Plumlee for multiple years. That's not going to be a thing. Yeah, see the um, the ideal backup big for them, I think, is is a guy that can both play next to Jokic and behind Jokic. Like, yep. like he's a he's a guy who that when Jokic sits for the eight total minutes of a playoff game that he sits, that he can he can recoup those minutes and be fine, but also can stick on the court when and play big when Jokic is also out there. So Plumlee's not that guy, and and I'm not sure Millsap is that guy for an entire season for a team. So. There's a I I I I think that there are other pieces out there that they could find in order to fill that role, um, but I also think I don't, that I don't that think could be that could be a starting... chance where they don't take a chance. Right. I don't think they're gonna mess with their starting chemistry, um, like too much. Like again, the guy you would do it for would be Drew Holiday, uh, because he he combines multiple player play types into one person so you can do multiple things with him on the court and you don't have to switch guys. Yeah. So that's important. Um, but as far as backups go, I mean, you know Jokic is going to be playing, you know, of the 48, he'll be playing 40 of them in the playoffs. Sure. I mean, I'm so, with you. So because of that, you don't need a ba- you need a backup five to have a backup five. You need one to give him some time off maybe during the year, but you're not going to be expecting your backup five to uh, come in and carry a bunch of water for you. 
Um, now, again, if you can get a backup, you know, power forward center for the right price, I could see them doing it. There are, again, there are some options, um, but I don't think they're looking for a guy to play next to Jokic unless there's an emergency. You know, something happens to Grant or whatever. Um, they they think they have their major lineup. They're going to play most of their minutes in locked down either with uh, somebody like Drew or without. That, but that's going to be your your main ad, and then your bigs. You just need some people who can play, um, and can at least give you some matchups against some bigger teams. You just you need bigger bodies. Uh, you, I don't know if you're going to go out and get somebody like an Alex Len, you know. But you're looking for some guys who aren't going to get mowed down by Dwight Howard. You know, it's not it's not that you're game planning for the Lakers, but you 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 the rest of your team is pretty on the on the either non-defensive side or the skinny side. I've had the name Tristan Thompson circled for a while. Agreed. Yep. It, to me, that's that's the perfect fit. It's, yep. it's, I, I, I can absolutely see it being Tristan. And I could see them going with a big in the draft if um, they find the right experience level that they like for a guy who can do that sort of job for 8 to 12 minutes right now. Yep. It's very reasonable. Um, okay, let's transition to the draft then because we've – We've talked about the restart a little bit, but we've also talked about the draft. I don't want to have a long conversation about this because we're going to be talking about the draft pretty much every single episode from now until 13 days from now. And and I was going to say, we, don't it's not that far away, man. Yeah. I know you think it is, but it's not that far. November 6th is Friday, and November 18th is the draft. So yep, we've got 12 days pretty much. And I wanted to ask you, after doing some of these pre-draft profiles with the group, after all of the work that we've done at Denver Stiffs, we've done a lot of great work. Check out the story stream. Check out any of the guys that you're interested in. Are there any prospects that stand out to you more than they did before the process? Um, I really, I, I liked the write-up of um, Devin Vassell, honestly. Yeah. He's a guy that I've been long a fan of. He seems like a Mikhail Bridges type. Yeah, uh, Vassell Vassell's the right kind of dude, man. Like Vassell fits what the Nuggets keep trying to find with that OG Ananobi type, with that Bridges type, with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're looking for that guy. So I could see he stands out as being that kind of guy. I don't think he's going to be available. But this whole draft is going to be such a weird shotgun looking. No one's going to get this projected anywhere close. So let me ask you this then. If you've got a guy that you've circled, if you've got a guy that, that you think is not going to be there, do you use some of the players and the assets that you've acquired to move up in this draft? If you really believe he's that guy. And this is this is where the... Because this is a terrible draft. It's, it's not a... I shouldn't say that. This is a flat draft, which means the guy you get at 21 could be better than the guy who gets drafted at 4. Yeah. It's true. Like... That's just how it goes because all these guys are about the same. Some of them have some more upside. Some of them have some, have a higher floor. You know, some of them you haven't you've seen against you know grown men in Europe. Some of them you haven't seen much of at all because the NCAA season got shortened too. If I were if I were the Nuggets, I would be at least calling the Phoenix Suns on yeah. draft night uh, for number ten. Uh, to see if okay. they would be interested in Monte Morris in 22 for 10. Right. Because, again, if they think they can get the same kind of guy at 22 that they could get at 10 for what they need, then you give them a backup point guard that they could really use, 
and who they could afford to resign. Because um, and who's ready to go right now, and as well as having another player, you know, for the draft. They have they've been rumored in the Fred Van Vliet sweepstakes and whatnot. Yes. They, they want they want a point guard, but if they don't feel confident about any of the point guards in this draft, and you're Denver, and you feel like you you could circle a guy in this draft that makes sense. And let me tell you, Devin Vassell makes sense. He may not work out, but a forty percent three point shooter. On a guy who is six foot seven, has a like a six ten wingspan or so, uh, yep. versatile defensively, can handle the ball a little bit more, like has has some guard skills. Like I think that that is if if I were circling any player for Denver to draft and add to Murray Porter Grant Jokic long term, that would be the guy. Right. Um, well, and luckily, go ahead. You know, Miles Miles they they already have a. Um, um, you know, Michael Bridges plays for them. Yeah. Yeah. So that there there aren't like they're, So they aren't they aren't dying for that guy. They've got that guy already. Yeah. I'm uh they they might have another guy in mind. Like let's like they could have a, a Patrick Williams who also plays for Florida State. Like maybe he's right. the, the, the Florida the Florida State guy that they covet because he's a physical six foot eight forward. Um maybe that's what they do. I d I don't know. Yeah, but, but I mean weirdly, I mean they could go out and get they could have such a weird team. They could add, you know, an Isaiah Stewart to try to be an, to to do a big bruising forward next to their, you know, bruising center. Yeah. You know, you could do all sorts of things with that lineup. They have the Suns are so weird. They're set up well, and yet they're still not put together correctly. It feels like they're still a year away. And yes. like like you and have a couple Booker, of you have Aiton, and if you feel comfortable with both of those guys as stars going forward, then great. Like I, I yep. think that that's 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 a reasonable thing to assume that that those guys can both be stars. Uh, but you also and have, can play together. Yeah, it looks and, like. and they can so play together. Good. Like, but you have Mikhail Bridges, you have Cam Johnson. Like, there are some pieces that you could definitely be interested in. Um, like I, I but let's let's not get to let's not get detracted here. Uh, at 22, we would never get distracted. What are you talking I, 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 about? We would, we would never ramble for hours on end on on any one individual topic. That's not a thing that happens here. Um, at 22, I keep coming back to Tyler Bay as the the long term fit at forward next to Porter and Jokic. Um, if I if I am a Drew Holiday stand, you are a Tyler Bay stand, and it's it's. There, there are certain reasons why. Like, I see a guy who has that physicality that you're looking for to bridge that gap. I see a guy who can defend up and down the lineup, who rebounds, and that's the one weakness that if you're pointing to a weakness for Grant, maybe Bay is the guy who who has the rebounding slider turned up on him instead of the uh, the shooting slider. He needs to still work on his jumper. His offensive game's a little bit of a mess, but if you are adding him to a Murray Porter Jokic group. Long term, maybe he doesn't need to do all of that extra stuff. Maybe he just needs to be an all-world defender. Right, and that's really what you're looking for. Like the Nuggets, the Nuggets are looking for the next Paul Millsap. Can you clean up the boards? Great. Can you defend? You know, inside against guys who might be a little bigger than you? Great. You know, Millsap wasn't a great rebounder, but he was a he he was a nifty rebounder and a, know, a fundamental rebounder. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was fundamental in everything. You <laughs> know, if you can get a fundamental player, 
you know, who can uh, grow into an offensive role. I mean, Millsap was not a great offensive player when he came out. Yeah. You know, but he weren't. But in the meantime, he was still a good player. You know, and the Nuggets, the Nuggets are looking for that good defender and the guy who doesn't need shots to play between Jokic and Porter, you know, and or next to Grant. Because all those guys are going to need that, and Grant is a little light in the seat. He's a skinny dude. Um, you know, having him defend, you know, uh, I don't know, any of the your larger centers. Or even um, Kevin Love. Like, I, Kevin Love's a guy who he had trouble with during the season, like a, yeah, a, but a I mean, more you traditional power forward. Exactly. You know, you can't have him bounce off Zion. He's not going to handle that. Like, he's out there to distract people with his length and athleticism on the wing. He's not out there to anchor in the paint, you know, against some 6'10 guys. Yeah. And and maybe Denver doesn't need that. Maybe they, like, we've we've always talked about their ability to limit dribble penetration. And Jeremy yes. Grant's a guy who can do that. Uh, Correct. Like, I think that's, that's actually the best role that he has. And uh, that leads me to kind of one final question here. Um, do you project Michael Porter Jr. as a three or a four? I think he's a three. Do you think he's a three defensively? Um, he's so long. I, I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. I mean, I I say this having looked at um, Jamal Murray for years um, as a guy that I didn't think was long enough to defend twos very well or fast enough to defend ones. Yeah. And he went and put on some weight before these playoffs, and all of a sudden he had some explosiveness, he had some anchor, he had some... You know, he looked good. Like, he couldn't stop um, Donovan Mitchell. But, I mean, there's no crime in that. Sure. Um, He looked like he was way more able to carry an average defensive load than he was before. And so I'm assuming the same kind of projection for Michael Porter Jr., who was skinny and didn't have a chance to work out a lot with a bad back. We also, you know, I, and I would also he, point out the drop foot that, that you had talked about that kind of goes under the radar when discussing him. Was that you, you have mentioned that that drop foot is something that you don't just recover from immediately, that it's going to linger for a while. And you said three years, and it's been one year since then. Like maybe it's not a couple of years until we see the best version of Michael Porter Jr. defensively. Well, and when that nerve is dead, you wind up with some, some calf atrophy and some other stuff yeah. um, that goes along with that. Um, depending on how innervated the the muscle is, so it, it may be hard to build up the bulk in the legs. Um, he still looked like he was. Uh, he takes steps sometimes where he rolls over on that foot. He did it in the playoffs, and it just makes me think that he's got the foot strapped up, but that the drop foot hasn't quite gone away. Yeah. Um. Obviously, it doesn't affect his offensive game. He's a guy who's a killer. Um. But but I I think that that may affect his first step quickness. Um. As a perimeter defender. And that as that gets better, you know, assuming that it gets better, that uh, he may find more quickness in the coming years than he had um, as a defender this year. You said it's in his right foot, correct? Uh, I believe so. It may it it's it's kind of funny that that now that we kind of have that background information on him, you know which way he escapes dribbles all the time. It's to his left. It's to his left because he picks up his left foot all the time and he has no problem picking up his left foot. 
once he has the ability to escape dribble to his right foot and like like go that direction and, and do that consistently, I think you're right. I think like like he he will have the ability to stay with guys on a consistent basis and not have to overcompensate and and really like move as and and be the athlete that we thought he could be. Like but it's going to take time, like you said. Well, yeah, and and time and knowing where to be. Like positioning is is half the battle and when you're young you don't have it. You don't know where to stand. You don't know how to best use that length. Like a dude with a seven foot wingspan as a three is fine. Like there, there should be no real reason why he can't defend twos and threes on switches just fine, and get strong enough to handle fours. Right. Like he should be switchable. He's got length. He's got athleticism. Um, not knowing necessarily what he should be doing has been a problem, but. That happens with every rookie. There's almost the only rookies who come into the league ready to play defense are guys who that's all they've done their whole careers. Like they hang their career on defense. He's not that guy. He's an offensive luminary talent. You're gonna teach him to play defense. It's gonna be no different than if Melo got drafted by the Pistons and he had played for Larry Brown and he was playing next to Tayshawn Prince and, and, you know, Rip Hamilton and um, Chauncey Billups, and you're out there, you're going to have to play defense, and you'll have to learn. Yeah. And I, under Coach Malone, who, you know, his dad's a Pistons guy, he's a Pistons guy. He, um, I believe Malone coached under Stan Van Gundy. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. you're going to have Brown, those same things. Like and that. so, he's going to have to learn. And I expect him to be able to do that. So, I think he's a three. I think he's a three offensively and defensively. Um, they could make him a four, but I, I think much like Gallo, he would prefer to be a three. Um, unlike Gallo, he loves to hit the glass. So I get why people might want him to play the four, but I, I think that's terrific as a three to have a three who rebounds like crazy. No, I'm with you, and and I, I appreciate that from what you're saying. I'm I'm thinking more from a short-term perspective that – if I think they're going to have Grant defending threes and Porter defending fours for the most part, and and if that matchup switches, then it switches. It is what it is. But like, right? Like against uh, against the Clippers, you're going to want uh, Porter defending uh, Morris and Grant defending Kawhi, and there's no there's no sure. problem with that. And <clears throat> well, he's big enough to do it. And and if you watch him during the season, he actually kind of likes the challenge of of playing bigger guys. Um, he played some against Doncic. He played some against um, AD. Um, you know, I don't. I don't think that you know, during the regular season. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that 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 is something that he's incapable of doing. Um, he's just skinny. He's not a rail. He's not some bull bull. You know, but as a four, he's a little. He's a little skinny. Posted that he's but up so to... is Jeremy Grant. So that, like you said, the Nuggets are going to have to figure that out. Um, and they may wind up playing him as the four to hide his his first step deficiencies. He posted that he's up to two thirty um, on on Snapchat or Instagram Live or something like that, uh, or in his Insta story. And and like to me that like when you talk about a guy who's six ten two thirty, I I just I I can't help but think that they're trying to build him up to be the the four defender to be the the guy who who goes in that range and like in your starting lineup, he's the guy defending fours for the most part and grants hustling and chasing around guys on the perimeter. And maybe it saves a guy like Porter. Maybe it, maybe it, maybe it's better for him to defend a guy like that instead of chasing guys around uh, for his. Well, body. I, I, I think, know. I think the chase role is always going to be Jeremy. 
Yeah. Um, because you want Michael Porter to have his legs in his shot in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and the reason, like, the roundabout reason why I bring this up is because I think it, it might make them more likely to take a wing as opposed to a big if they project Porter to defend fours and Jokic to defend fives. Um, but maybe that's not true. Maybe maybe they still defend, maybe they still look to add another big because they need backup bigs anyway and because Porter can scale up to a three instead. And then you play that guy at the four next to Jokic and in between him and Porter. But, um, I don't know. It's going to be curious. I'm 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 looking forward to the the mock drafts that come out and to the all of the stuff that that is is going on. Um, I'm looking forward to the Nuggets deciding to trade out of the pick so that all the draft work we've done is useless. <laughs> well, it is what it is. And uh, then trade back into the second round to get somebody else. That's why we share the load, and that's why they draft Paul Reed in the second round because that's what I've been wanting them to do. I know that's that's your dude. You're like just come back in for Paul Reed. Well, everything will be fine. It'll be great. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so you think that they you think that they trade the pick? Um, I I well I think if they get what they want, I think they'll pay what the what the Pelicans want for Drew, and I think one of those things that will go will be this year's pick. Yeah. Okay, heard it here first. Uh, actually, yeah, but I'm 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 curious. I think it's going to be fun, and and like these these conversations are going to be ongoing all the way up until draft night. And I, that's, that's my prediction is that Drew Holiday is traded on draft night, whether it's to the Nuggets, whether it's to another team. We'll see. But if it's to the Nuggets, I think Nuggets fans, you should be excited. Like regardless of what I think the, it'd be, I think, I think if you want a package, I'm going to go with, um, it's going to be Gary Harris, Monte Morris, Bull Bull, a first rounder, and the Nuggets get back a second rounder. Makes sense. I think it's very reasonable um, and and fair value for a, a guy that can really help them win now. Um, okay, that's it. That's that's all I got for you guys. Uh, Gordon, thanks so much for, for hanging out with me for as long as you did. Uh, been, a, been a good talk, been a good podcast. I can't wait to uh, to continue to do this over the course of these next couple weeks. And uh, I was going to say, get ready to ramp back yeah, up, man. Gonna, the season's almost here. We'll see a lot of you over the course of this next little bit of time. Right? So, have a grand old time. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Make sure to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, check out the draft work that we've been doing at DenverStiffs.com. We still have news. We've still got draft profiles. Uh, lots of stuff that's coming in and out that I think is going to be really fun. Um, and, yeah, we, we're going we're gonna to have a grand old time with this. Uh, follow Gordon on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, should be a lot of fun. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys next week.